Coming to you from the mountain fortress of pop culture. You're listening to Time to Talk. And, I mean, God forbid when I have P&T, you wouldn't want to come near me. I'm horrible. Welcome to the fortress. And Megs, I have to ask, do you like what I've done with the furniture? Um, yeah, it looks great. I had to go all plastic. It's just all plastic now. Do you know why? No. It's a very sad reason. Our baby dragon, Igor, he kept scratching the good upholstery. Ah, I I see. I didn't know we had a baby dragon. That's the bigger revelation. You didn't know? No. A lot's changed here since you've moved out to uni. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Baby Dragon Eagle. I don't know if he likes you. Oh, yeah. That's a shame. Simon, you've bonded with Baby Eagle, right? Yeah, I've thrown him a few bats and stuff before. It's been, it's been all right. Baby Eagle likes Simon. <laughs> I've got to say, Megs and Simon, have you ever heard of John Meager? No. no. Are you sure it's not pronounced Ma, though? Well, I'm going to pronounce it Meager, and you'll find out why. <laughs> I'm really not surprised you haven't heard of him. He's an Irish independent music journalist. I'm asking everybody who's listening to send him a tweet with the hashtag Abbey Road Retribution. Right. Let me tell you why. The, the guy's Twitter handle is John Meager Muso. That's John M E A G H E R Muso, M U S O. And I tell you what, I'll tell you something else just as a quick aside. In my experience, anyone who describes themselves as a Muso is absolutely desperate to tell the whole world that they're fairly cool. They're laid back. I'm chill, dude. I'm chill. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit of a muso. Mm. Yeah, and when in fact they're usually highly uptight individuals who are way too gutless to <laughs> confess that they've got a lifetime of unfulfilled ambition that's slowly poisoning them inside. Ah, uh, well, that might be a certain subset of, of those people. Well, maybe, but John Meager, as I call him, he's definitely in that subset. Um, yeah, beware of a self-confessed muso, okay, as a life lesson. As an aside of this podcast, will you remember that forevermore? Yes, I'll yes, I'll be on alert for people that refer to themselves that way. Okay, Simon, am I accurate? Anyone who's referred to themselves as a muso is someone to beware of? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so listen to what our Irish muso wrote about the Abbey Road sessions. Oh, he wrote, no. Kylie isn't a good enough singer to be able to shoulder a project like this. Oh, dear. I know, isn't that disgraceful? Wow. Completely <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Simon just finds it funny. <laughs> I don't know. Simon might, hopefully he's laughing out of, you know, disgust. Just, yes, yes. He's overwhelmed dis- by anger. <laughs> what is it, Simon? Is it a disgusted laugh or what? I just, I just think it's a ridiculous statement, isn't it? It's one of those things that people will say just to still seem cool. He continues with this review too. He, he writes, The whole album, The Abbey Road Sessions, falls flat on its face. Wow, because of her vocals? Well, who knows? I mean, he probably doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, that's it to be... supposedly what he thinks. Yeah. So listen, if you're listening, and Megs and Simon, if you feel the desire, and you really should, can you go and find him, please? It's John Meager. It's best pronounced that way, I guarantee you. Mm. It's at John... How best pronounced that way? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> like... John Meager. He's a meager man. He's a meager man. At John Meager Muso. Something's seriously wrong with him. <laughs> there really is. John Meager Muso. I'm so chill. Oh, I'm yeah. so cool. <laughs> Shut up, you dickhead. <laughs> Absolute moron. How dare he? <laughs> anyway, the Abbey Road Sessions. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're here to talk about. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm sorry. Have I been rude? Well, I think this has more to do. I don't with think I was rude first. Who he is. He was rude first. If he first. said that Kylie's vocals were great, then you'd probably go, "Oh, he's this cool guy. <laughs> His name's John Ma." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would no longer be a mega man, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but I mean, in all honesty, I mean, that's it's just it's tired, it's stale, it's completely dull to write. Kylie can't sing. Give me a break. Yeah. Stop it. I mean, what journalist, he sits there with his little quill pen and he goes, oh, what am I going to write? Oh, 
I know that's not the right accent, but it's the best I can do right now. <laughs> he's, he's British now. Oh, well, she, she's not much of a singer, is she? Oh, you know, all right, Kylie isn't good enough to, what's a good word? Shoulder. shoulder yeah, what, she oh, good enough singer to shoulder this project. 25 years, John Meager, since, you know, she'd proved herself for 25 years. Maybe if you were in the 80s, your review would have been funny. Well, but it wasn't because 2012 and she's fucking released 80 million albums. Just disgraceful. I'm sick to death of it. So please do tweet the stupid moron <laughs> and let him know. And what are we saying? We're, we're doing hashtag, hashtag Abbey Road Retribution. All right. Shall we talk about the Abbey Road sessions? I think we now should. That that's off our chest. <laughs> Off your chest. <laughs> You're not you. You are not adequately outraged, Simon. By the way, yeah, I just think just people with stupid opinions are funny. The Abbey Road Sessions. It's described as an orchestral compilation album of reworked mega hits by our Kylie Minogue, and it was released Megs in 2012 on Parlophone Records. The album is primarily produced by our friend. Steve Anderson. Now, I call him our friend Steve Anderson because he's a friend of our show. Yes, you've interviewed him. I have, and if you haven't heard that podcast, go and find it. Go and find it. It was excellent. He is such a lovely man, Mm. in all honesty, an absolute gentleman. And he's worked on heaps of Kylie's work, hasn't he? He's a great friend of Kylie, first and foremost, but, yes, a musical um, since Finer Feelings back in 1994, Ah. I believe. Three, two. But we don't want to also forget Colin Elliott. He also helped produce uh, this album in a, in a big way. The Abbey Road session, it features 16 tracks and it was perfectly timed as a release because it was Kylie Minogue's 25th year in the music business. What do you think generally Megs about somebody who has 25 years in the music business and she did something every month to celebrate? a little Easter egg for the fans every single month with Tweet to Unlock, which we're going to talk about. But what do you think? In in your 25th year, to go back over your whole back catalogue and rework those songs, it's a clever idea, right? Yeah, I think it's really clever and and, um, it's it's quite an elegant, like if you can pull it off in an elegant way that's like really um, shows almost reverence for like your work that you've done over all those years, which I think is what she was trying to do. Um, then I think, yeah, it's a great idea and that the fans will love it. Do you know how I was the man who created Disco? Because in one podcast, which people can go and listen to, I think it was about Golden, I said, Kylie, it's time to do a Disco album and I described in great detail what it was. And lo and behold, yes. a couple of years later, she releases Disco. Yes. Because she's listening she's to listening, me. Yeah. She's absolutely listening. I sort of predicted the Abbey Roads, or I didn't predict, sorry. I probably created the Abbey Road sessions. You did this. How did that happen? Well, in uh, articles that I used to write, I used to say that she needs to, because of the United States, right, they don't know her particularly well, and I just kept thinking, God, there's millions and millions of people over there who haven't heard these incredible songs. And it was often said that the reason she wasn't as successful over there is because the sound was very Euro and British and right. that didn't translate. So my theory that I wrote many times back in the day was she needs to go back over all of these tracks. At that time I was writing in the night, late, uh, around the late 90s, so it was before light years I was writing this. Mm. I was saying she needs to go back over all those tracks, absolutely, completely overhaul them for an American market. Because can you imagine, Simon, can you imagine shocked, shocked and what do I have to do Mm. absolutely like just given a makeover in american style a bit like danny's first album had that american edge yeah. to it i'm not saying that she needed that type of song but if she took her songs and made them american i really mm. think she could have had a mega hit kylie's already got an album that you often say is quite americanized um body like language body language yeah yeah, yeah. i know it was did that was that a a hit in the us because of it it was a moderate hit but i mean the, the argument would be and I think it's pretty accurate that that was a hit in the United States because Fever cracked her market over there. Oh, and right. she was all of a sudden quite mainstream rather yeah. than underground. And so people were waiting for the next album to come out. That's why she did it that way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, she didn't take my full advice and overhaul all her tracks mm. with an American sound, but I still think that I gave her the idea for the Abbey Road sessions because she went back <laughs> and overhauled the songs. Yes. Orchestrally. Okay. <laughs> Should I take credit? Um, I think it's a bit of a tenuous link. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Not talking about that anymore. 
So this album was famously recorded at the Abbey Road Studios in London with Kylie Minogue's band and a full orchestra, and it was recorded in November of 2011. Simon, you are the man in the UK. Please describe to this 18-year-old gentleman across from me here, why is the Abbey Road Studio, like, so historical, so important in music? So Abbey Road is where the Beatles recorded the majority of their music, um, and since then has kind of been a home to many, many, many artists. Um, it's it's just got such a fantastic, it's got amazing acoustics. And mm. everyone, I, I know Kylie talks about this when she records there, but she thought she was going to be really underwhelmed by it. But because everyone that records there is like, oh my God, Abbey Road's amazing. And then she said it, it was, it was just completely magical. And I've seen videos of people recording there and it's just got this really like magical atmosphere. And um, there's a Beatles album, is it Abbey Road? It is, isn't it? That's got yeah. the... Uh, where they're going across the road on the crossing, and that's outside. Have you seen that mix? Abbey Road Studios. Um, no, they're all the four Beatles crossing the road at a zebra crossing. One of the most famous. Oh album. yes, I've seen that cover. Yes, huge tourist attraction now, Simon. Right? Is it far from your house? Yeah, it's really far from my house, but um, yeah, it's a huge tourist attraction. <laughs> I thought they all lived around the same area. Yeah, in yeah, England. you could just walk down there. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm. <laughs> it has a big yellow door, doesn't it? What? The Abbey Road studio. <laughs> is it? Your house. I think it does, yeah. We might need someone to leave a comment. I might be on the wrong track. But everyone that you – if you ever read anything about the Abbey Road studios, they talk about not only, like Simon said, the acoustics, they talk about the history. Mm, musical history. Mm. But just to clarify, did they name the album after the, the building? Like, or, yeah. Or vice versa? Yeah, okay. yeah. The album was named after the studios, yeah, I think. Right. I mean, I wasn't born then. I know I'm old, but I'm not that old. (laughs) There's an episode of Absolutely Fabulous 2 where the two main characters, I think it's Edina and Patsy, go in in there and destroy (laughs) this and that and the other. It's quite a funny episode. I'd forgotten about that. The tracks on Abbey Road Sessions, Kylie's Abbey Road Sessions, are totally stripped back in most cases, right? What do you think of it, Simon? Do Do you like this album? Yeah, I actually really like it. Um, so, you know, I have kind of ups and downs with Kylie, but yeah, you have a fractured relationship. It's a complex mm. relationship. And Megs, as a budding psychologist, take heed of what mm. Simon's saying here because there's a lot to analyze. Yeah, continue, right. Simon. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I really liked a lot of the things that she did around the 25th because I think it was so nice that she looked back on all of her career rather than just looking back on the bits that were deemed successful and popular. And I think that's, what's really nice about Abbey Road is that there's loads of stuff on there that you wouldn't have expected her to do. I wouldn't have expected her to do where the wild roses grow. I wouldn't have expected her to do, um, any of the kind of more obscure PWL stuff. Like I just, I just think it's a really interesting track list that um, mm. doesn't necessarily. It's not necessarily jam packed with hits. Like there's hits on there, but like never too late. I wouldn't have expected, you know. And I, to be honest, probably wouldn't have expected us to do slow either. Um, and hand in your heart, I wouldn't have expected. So there's just there's just a lot of stuff in there that I think is really like interesting. Help me out with this, Simon. There was some man around the time right she was promoting this album and the quote that she kept pulling out were words to the effect of it was amazing to me to re-record these tracks in this style because the old pwl stuff my stock Aiken and waterman tracks i really got to see how heart-wrenching they were because when you slow them down and actually really focus on the lyrics there's something mm-hmm. absolutely lonely and isolating and devastating about them yeah and she said that in quite a few interviews there was some man over there in the uk some credible musician who said he was disgusted and uh that just said everything about kylie that she clearly just went into a recording studio put her vocals down and didn't even think about what she was singing he really went in for the kill over those quotes from kylie do you remember who that was no but i mean it would 
makes sense to me that maybe it was one of the Gallaghers or something. But... That's exactly what I thought because I mean, yeah. they've accused her of looking like a horse. They, they take their mm. shot at her whenever they get a chance. It might have been. It might have been. Yeah. Someone will know and someone will inform us. For some reason, I don't know if it was for Gallagher's, who are the absolute obvious choice. I don't get yeah. the accusation, though. She obviously oh. knew what she was producing. Like, mm. you can hear it in her vocals. It wouldn't have matched the music and the style. It was probably John Meager in disguise. <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose um, it was... Go ahead. I, get what, I get what he means to an extent, because there's a lot of pop stars that record songs... And then they get released and then people are like, oh, you do realize that this song is about this subject, don't you? And they're like, oh, no, it's not. And and it clearly is. And I think the thing with the Stock Aiken and Waltman stuff, the whole point of it was that it was kind of like modern Motown, wasn't it? So lyrically, a lot of it was quite bleak and depressing, but it was all set to this like mm. heavy dance beat that Up they knew beat. would get people. Yeah, they knew would, you know, would be successful. As a as a performer myself, I do kind of look at it and go, "Well, did you not understand what you were singing the first time around?" But then it's quite touching how when you hear it like slow, <clears throat> slowed down and like yeah, more more artistic like that, and then you can really focus on the meaning of the lyrics. Exactly. I mean, it's absolutely ludicrous. Of course, she knew what she was singing the first time around, <laughs> but then when you slow it down and, as Simon says, and not put it to the pretty upbeat pop sugar which yeah. is what kylie was known for in those days i mean think of never too late let's look at that right why can't you see that i'm still mad about you even though i've found out about you i'll always stay forever true and in my heart i will forgive you i've got so much love to give you mm. so when you're a teenager looking through new love and all of that sort of stuff that's sort of part and parcel but when you like she's now a woman in her 40s and considering especially her love life mm. There's so much truth in lyrics like that. Yeah. That's why they were so successful too, not just the music, but the lyrics that they had were universally understood as well. Yes. So, the, the first time she sung them, she was swinging her arms and dancing to it, but now she's in the fetal. Studio. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. The first time she did them, she was a child, you know. Mm. And, and I agree with you. Looking back on those songs as an adult, you're going to – approach them differently anyway and some of those songs she wouldn't have sung for a long time we all know kylie's love life too i mean and don't tell me that she hasn't been in a situation like that where she's found herself with somebody cheating but she's not outraged enough to leave she wants to say it's never too late no, we can still do this to kylie are you serious she's been no. through every type of affair of the heart that lady every affair of the heart Sometimes amateurs know best, and the lack of professionalism is all you'll hear on the Time to Talk show. Join Tim and his panel of guests as they wade their way through a range of news, music, and pop culture treats. Time to Talk, the show hosted by amateurs for unprofessional listeners. Talking about Abbey Road more generally, it seems this is a very interesting fact. Same-sex weddings... Uh, absolutely, I don't think they'd exist if it wasn't for this album because every same-sex wedding you go to has a track from the Abbey Road sessions <laughs> accompanying it. <laughs> many, many, many a couple have been wedded to the Abbey Road version of Better the Devil, you know, for example, oh. which is kind of a really, really odd choice if you think about the sentiment of that song. Well, yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? It could be a lot worse, Simon and Megs. I mean, they could have got married to the U2 song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. That would be more I... awkward. So the album's lead single was Flower. Now, this is the only track on the album um, that isn't a remake. The rest yeah. of the songs are all a remake. This is an original song. But funnily enough, sort of was remade in a way because if you're a fan. going to be on the next mm. album. Yes, it was. And do you know what it's about? Um, it's about her uh, connection with the child she's never had. Yeah. Isn't that more? Actually, the more we're talking about it, this album's very morbid. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it's black and when I think of it, I think of black and white. Um, but I also think of you know all the things that come along with that, like elegance and sophistication. But yeah, it is quite it is quite um, sad. And this song it didn't make the final cut for X, uh, but she pulled it out at the X tour, and it went down a bit like "Can't Get You Out of My Head," which a lot of people don't know was actually. 
toured around on the on a night like this tour for you know a year before it was actually um, a monster hit and it was a completely different version the flower wasn't so different i know every author fans say it is it's totally different and stripped back to me it sounds almost identical mm. i don't think they really reworked it at all and actually i've got that criticism of a few songs on the abbey road sessions i don't know why she made Nick Cave drive all the way from his London little terrace house to go to the studio to re-record exactly the same song they did, you know, back in 94. That was 94, actually, I think. That one was. That was um, Because it's exactly the same. They probably had lunch and stuff as well. It was probably just an excuse to have pasta. You're yeah. right. <laughs> had a nice chat. Oh, doesn't he eat bats, actually, I think? Oh. She probably had a pasta. I see. Oh, God. Uh, he's got a tragic life story, that poor man. I love him to bits, though. He's yeah. Australian, too. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Michael, Nick, all the talent, you know, start, it gets grown here and then we ship it over to the UK. Yeah. Right. <laughs> where Simon consumes it. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so I have a bit of a disappointing story with this. Um, so when she did the Abbey Road session, she played the Proms in the Park in Hyde Park in London, which is the last night of the Proms. And she said about this fan favorite song that she was doing and that it had never been recorded. And I got it into, I was quite, I'd had some wine and I'd got it into my head that it was going to be free. Oh, and I was, <laughs> that would so be an odd excited. choice for that venue. Well, I was so excited because I was like, Oh my God, she's recorded. She's finally recorded free and I'm going to get to see her do it because I couldn't think of anything else that was a fan favorite that, that hadn't been recorded or released. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that obviously it wasn't, and I got really upset. There were a lot of thoughts going through your head, considering she only spoke for about 25 seconds. Gee, you had a whole epiphany in that small period of time, didn't you? Yeah, so was. <laughs> yeah, well, I, by the way, yes, Kylie, if you're listening, because we know you do, please do record free in the oh, studio. Right. We love the intimate and live version, but you've, yeah. you've got to do it. Oh. And she wrote that completely on her own while she was driving through the outback of uh, Australia, by the way. Yeah, because there's that um, footage of her driving that they used on the documentary, isn't there? Um, Mm, I think she got in a car. She just had enough. And um, I think she, with a boyfriend um, at the time, it might've been Stefan. Anyway, they, whoever it was, again, one of the affairs of the heart, Megs. And she goes driving through the outback and she wrote free based on that. Mm. Wow. Interesting. Good story, right? Mm. Look at you. You're fascinated. (laughs) Can I ask you what you think uh, flower is about? Uh, it's just it breaks my heart. I'm like Simon. It's not my favourite musically, uh, but I do love it. Mm. But the lyrics. I mean, distant child, my flower. Are you blowing in the breeze? Can you feel me as I breathe life into you? This is about the uncertainty. Actually, it's about talking to the child that she hasn't had. And for right. any Kylie fan. It's a source of great hurt, which we don't often talk about. We know that she's not going to have children. They're mm-hmm. not going to be part of her life. She's not yeah. going to adopt. She's not going to foster. She's not going to have her own child. She won't. Yeah. She won't. And I think a lot of fans know that. At the time of uh, X, we were still like her. It's unknown. But it's a hurtful topic And uh, because can you think of a woman who would make a more fabulous mother than Kylie? Mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah, and it would be beautiful, a beautiful relationship for her as well. Hmm. I want to ask if Kylie, how big a role she plays in Danny's children's lives. Oh, she's a great auntie. Mm. Yes, big, big role. And in um, Brendan's children's lives as well. She's a fantastic auntie. Nice. Very hands-on. Yeah, that's what I would think. Lots of video calls, the nature of their lifestyle and all of that sort of stuff. But, yeah, Mm. absolutely brilliant. This is going to sound really selfish, but from the point of view of somebody that has kind of a, an up and down relationship with Kylie anyway, I'm kind of glad she didn't have kids. Okay. Because You'll you know, have to expand on that before I smack you. <laughs> from like a creative point of view, I think that having children would have probably changed her in a way that would have meant her creative output would have gone in a totally different direction. So I don't think we'd have got any of the material that we've got over the past 10 years. I I don't think I'd ever have got closure. I feel like I've kind of got closure on the Kylie I always wanted with disco and, and with what she did with the 25th and everything and all of that. And I think if she'd had 
kids at some point in that period. She probably wouldn't have done any of that. So from a from a fan perspective, selfishly, I'm kind of glad that she stayed childless <laughs> to an extent. But artists are informed by their life experiences, as we all mm. are. So even though you definitely wouldn't have got the particular work that she produced, you would have uh, – how do you know not to mourn for what you didn't get if she had had children? Yeah, we might have ended up with Ray of Light. Precisely, yes, exactly. When Lola was born with Madonna, you know, we went all Ashanti, Ashanti, Shanti, Shanti. Anyway, look, I, I think, Simon, if you are always – intrigued by why you get comments underneath each video. <laughs> you just need to look back at your last 45 seconds of audio I, and like, that's I, why you get them. I did say like – And so people have the nerve to say I'm the rude man in this podcast. So just listen to what we just heard. <laughs> just listen to what we heard. Honestly, I'm just – I'm mortified, not at what you said. I'm mortified that I get the comments. He's rude. What was the, my favourite word the other day that someone called me? In the comments. Oh, you kept um, repeating oh. it over and over again. I really want to know what that word was. We can't yeah, go any further till I get it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's worth finding, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for it because I know what you're talking about. Here it is. Um, oh, that was quick. How do you do that? Hubristic. Oh, hubristic. Right. No, no, but can I, can I list all the adjectives? There are a lot. <laughs> I don't really know if I want you to list all the adjectives. Why am I doing this? Well, that's enough, really. No, no but remember the, the funny in, in Coles, I was telling you all the... Yeah, all right, go on. Well, I just need to find it. What oh, video was that? The Michael Jackson history. The Michael one. Jackson history, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, okay. All right. Um, You, you were called uh, con- condescending, hubristic, contemptuous, snobbish, completely ignorant and uneducated. <laughs> And white. <laughs> How do they know me so well? Yeah. Hubristic. Yeah. I thought that was a bit harsh. Yeah, see, I've only ever used that that word in English class talking about Shakespearean characters. It's like, oh, Richard III, he's hubristic. Oh, I've so never I'm heard it applied in real life. King Richard III. Well, according to this person, yes. Wow. I wouldn't say so. <laughs> oh, but anyway, hopefully you will take that. Um, baton and run with it now, um, Mr. Simon, after so, formally what? declaring to thousands of people that you're glad Kylie didn't have children because it satisfies your musical needs. I mean, so I did say selfishly from a fan perspective, but also it's okay for a woman to not have children. Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Why, why are we talking as though it's like this awful thing? Like, Well, it's because of this song, going back to Flower, like she's yearning. And so it's not that she's made a informed choice. She was devastated by an illness, which well, robbed course. her of something that was in her future, or but she thought was in her future. But it's still okay for that to not have happened. 100%. Yeah, nobody's certainly saying that Kylie's any less of a woman or a person for not having children. But, yeah. you know, as the lyrics of this underpin there's a there's a great sorrow around the whole issue and and genuinely is for fans because i would have loved nothing more and it really makes me upset to to think that that lady who's just everything that so many fans aspire to be in terms of her values her character Mm. um her kindness her generosity her talent yeah um and she's not going to have children there is a sadness in that but as simon says it doesn't make her less of a person no. not at all i take it back <laughs> too late <laughs> 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 i have to say with abbey roads i'm actually tantalized by the tracks that apparently were recorded but that never made the cut of the album so for a start we have some little gifts uh we have in your arms mm-hmm. and wow and mm-hmm. breathe, and I think "Wow" and "In My Arms" were on certain international editions. And my memory is the Australian one had one, and the Japanese had the other, or maybe one had yeah. both. Yeah, yeah. But apparently, and apparently, there are some that we've never heard. There might be a version of "Spinning Around" for the Abbey Road sessions. And my little favourite Easter egg in the world, the one that's got me most intrigued, got to be certain. 
Ooh. Apparently she did an Abbey, Ver- Abbey Road version of Got To Be Certain. And the reason we think that, in case people wonder, is because there were lots of photos teasing this project of her in the studio. And like you say, Megs, a lot of them were black and white and yeah. done in a certain style. And on top of one of the sheet musics, and I couldn't go back and find this, but I definitely saw it at the time, eagle-eyed me and many thousands of other fans got to be certain at the top of some sheet music in the studio wow well i reckon that i'm thinking of the the song now and i think that would really be good i would love to hear that i don't know i've i often get amused by it because but then again if somebody had told me they're going to do never too late as simon said i wouldn't have thought they could do that without it being silly but got to be certain i have to admit because if Mega fans know the lyrics like the back of their hands. How can yeah. you slow that down into anything meaningful? Because it's such a frivolous. It would song. work. Yeah, it would. Do you work. reckon it would? I reckon it definitely would. But I think it would. Boys are all the same. Like I just don't know how you can make this. It's silly. It's a silly song. I hope that if she ever does um, give it to us, she puts a little video out and wears the same red dress that she wore in the original video, too, mm. which is also silly. Well, mm. she did spinning around at Proms in the Park. Yeah, but that was – this is interesting, and fans will all have an opinion about this. I don't believe that that was an Abbey Road version of Spinning Around. I think that's something they did for – so that it wasn't so morbid at proms. They wanted something upbeat. They finished with Spinning Around, then Locomotion, and then All the Lovers, as always. Surely it's possible it was based on the Abbey Road version. Maybe. I love the version of Wow. I really do. It's so gospel and um, it's, just, it's brilliant. And you can hear the words too, which, by the way, yeah. finally prove once and for all that I was right. And I always admit when I'm wrong too, but I do like it when I'm right from time to time. It's um, every inch of you smells of desire. And back in the day, the fans always used to howl me down by saying it's not smells of desire. That would be gross. No. Well, that's interesting because I've always been confused by that. It smells of desire. What yeah, did they think? And if, um, every inch of you what they spells out desire, maybe, if someone sent anyway. Uh, again, okay. a comment for the experts in the comment section. Get your get your fingers typing, people. Oh, spells out desire makes sense. There's plenty there's yeah. plenty to talk about here, isn't there? Mm. In the comment section. Yeah. In fact, most of them are going to be, why did these three individuals review this album when they clearly <laughs> don't know anything? No. All they're doing is asking the questions of the audience. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely love this album. What tracks stand out for you, Megs, on the Abbey Road sessions and which ones do you not think very highly of? Um, well, Flower I've always liked, mm-hmm. which we've spoken about. Um, I haven't got the full track list in my head. Just think of any Kylie song. By the way, Simon, let's just be really honest here. Megs woke up 10 minutes ago. He's done no research, no prep, and probably doesn't remember any version on the Abbey Road. I skimmed uh, Wikipedia about it. So that's very, very rude. All right. I'm going to have to do a different segue now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you know how irritating that is? Well, I'm sorry. Someone's not getting bacon and eggs after this. Mm. All right. Simon. (laughs) Yeah. Simon, what tracks stand out to you on this album and which ones do you think should have been left off? Um, well, I was ecstatic that she did Finer Feelings because I just love yes. that song so much. Do you know what really surprised me? I would love to say that I'd have left off I Believe in You and All the Lovers because I hate them. But what I will say, I still don't really like All the Lovers, but I Believe in You sounds really, really nice on this. Um, yeah. Isn't that funny? You and I rarely agree on anything. I've I've never been a fan of All the Lovers, even though I respect totally why it's a mega Kylie song. I've never been a fan of I Believe in You. Again, yeah. respect why the fans love it because it's so Kylie, but I've never been a fan. But like you, I was not sold on the Abbey Road versions, didn't make me a fan of All the Lovers. But just like you again, I Believe in You, I love that version. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Made me a fan of the song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think it all sounds great. Like I love the fact she does slow at every available opportunity because I love that song. Um, and yeah, and and the, obviously where the wild roses grow. I was, although you weren't that keen on the fact it was there, I was ecstatic about. Oh, I that. love the track, but it's just exactly the same. They didn't remake it at all. They really didn't. He just sounded slightly care. older. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> what would I have taken off? Um, I don't know actually. I'd probably have taken Flower off. Maybe All the Lovers and Flower. And I, I would have put on, um, if I could have any song from from the Kylie discography on there instead, I'd have probably put on Dangerous Game or something. 
Oh, yes. Because I love that Why song. wasn't Dangerous Game on there? I that would have no been idea. brilliant. Although maybe because they can't really remake it because it was already in the style of the Abbey Road sessions, I right? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's stunning. Any tracks, Megs, that you wish that she would have made like this? Um, well, no, I, I wanted to go back to you. I have a question. Okay. So that um, I really liked Hand on Your Heart um, with this uh, the re- version of That's it. a little bit country. And you know there was some dude actually did this. Um, right. In around 2007, I think it was, he went on stage. Someone unlikely, I can't remember who he is. Right. And he did it. And it was like very similar to the one that she eventually made. Right. Yeah. There is a guitar like that in there, isn't there? Mm. But I really like how she plays with pacing in it as well, because mm. I feel like she has excess time because um, the original was, you know, sort of sung faster. And so she, she really plays with that, with the chorus. And I really like it. She does some beautiful harmonising in different tracks here. The one that when it came out, and I still love, Better the Devil You Know, Never Too Late. And, mm. of course, they, in the Abbey Road studios, have just refused to process her lyrics beyond the raw intensity of what they were. Never mm. Too Late, Better the Devil You Know, and lots of other tracks on the album show Kylie's real voice. If you combine everything that happened in this year, the 25th year, you will never see a more professional pop star at work ever. Mm. The confidence of proms at the park, if you can imagine walking out to that crowd and that type of crowd as well, a lot of them were there to see Kylie, but this is not her traditional audience. Mm. She just walks out and she owns the stage. She looks like she's got not a hint of nerves in the world. And then to actually, after everything she's been through, all the criticism is in her career, to walk into the Abbey Road Studios, A. Eh? Like Kylie Minogue in the Abbey Road Studios, if she'd done that like in early in her career, there almost would have been protests that you can't mm. defile the sacred mm. studios with Kylie Minogue. I mean, yeah. Rowan Atkinson used to use her as a punchline to his jokes, not right. because he didn't like Kylie, but because when you're a comedian, you're looking for the most obvious example. Yeah. And Kylie was, you know, the person who couldn't sing. But then she goes into the Abbey Road Studios. A, she's allowed in there and feels confident enough. And then she doesn't demand that they do anything to her voice. Oh, so my voice cracked there. My voice went a little bit wavery there. Leave it in because Mm -hmm. what I know I'm good at now in my 25th year is telling the story of the song, of giving my personality Mm -hmm. to the song. And I just loved it. The 25th year, there was like there was a true – rounding of Kylie's career. The Time to Talk show is a podcast made by passionate amateurs who simply love pop culture. Unlike other podcasts, we can't raise revenue through traditional advertising, so we rely on the support of our listeners to keep us going. If you'd like to make a donation to Time to Talk, click on the link in the description. Your support will help with our production costs and allow us to keep bringing you content that celebrates honours and skewers the very best and worst in the world of popular music, film, trends and culture. Thank you for enjoying our shows. We absolutely love our growing legion of loyal listeners. Do you remember this, Megs, when Time Bomb came out towards the end of that year? Yeah. There was... I remember um, the countdown. Wasn't there a countdown? You were such a little boy lying next to me on bed and I had the laptop open. <laughs> I was quite you, – you really pumped me up for that, I remember. Yes, I did. I remember going, oh, my God, the video is, is – I said, and there has to be a certain amount of tweets and then it will yeah. – and the picture, the image would slowly come into focus as the tweets came in. It was yeah. very cleverly done. She also – I don't know if she still holds this record. There was a record set at the time, 45,000 tweets in – no. Uh, actually, I have to get the figure. It was yeah. 45 minutes. Let me get that figure. Statistics for you. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. Numbers are not my strong suit, are they? No. Um, yeah. No, I was absolutely right. Ha-ha. Take it back. 45,000 tweets in 45 minutes were received. Wow. But do you remember, like, as a little boy, like, getting a little child's attention for too long is is difficult even though <laughs> you had a good attention span and always did yeah but this uh, tweet to unlock for time bomb did take a long time like we were sitting there i think there it is 45 minutes right till it unlocked yeah that's a long time to sit there and trying to get a seven-year-old or whatever you were at the time to watch the picture slowly fade into view yeah <laughs> yeah yeah do you remember tweet to unlock simon no 
Um, I do remember a lot of that year, but I, so, I mean, as, as we know, I have a, an up and down relationship with Kylie and I'd not liked a lot of things she'd done leading up to the the 25th. There was this amazing montage of locomotion, for example, where it showed all the different versions she's performed and recorded over the years. Um, just, and it's starting by the way with the chug, 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 chug version of locomotion in Australia, which for anyone listening, I don't care what your opinion is. It's the original and the best. We owned her just for a few months before you even knew about her. Ha ha. So musically I'm talking about. I know we all knew her from Neighbours. And a lot of fans also seem to forget that before Abbey Road, the speculation was that she was about to put out a jazz album of jazz standards, okay? So Abbey Mm -hmm. Road came and it's a gift and thank God it did. But around the White Diamond documentary that really poorly produced William Baker, who, by the way, I love, not a big devastating enemy of him at all but he really shouldn't edit or produce (laughs) and he produced this white diamond documentary and there were a lot of jazz standards in there like you are there try your wings there was an original version of white diamond which was actually written by um the scissor sisters Mm. there was a madonna penned track in that documentary alone again she madonna wrote that and kylie gave a few bars of that in this documentary anyway the speculation was that we're not going to get abbey road we're going to get some jazz album the fans i don't know if it was ever can i don't know what the reason is i speculate the reason was the fans weren't particularly on board with it i was one of them who really was like yes please because you in a little black dress at a microphone with smoke all around you in a paris bar Mm. amazing that would be my dream come true. Yeah. But she sort of seemed to um, steer away from it, even though there was speculation that was coming. And then we got Abbey Road, which seems logical to me. It's like still the same concept of stripped back and raw yeah. and let me tell the story, but let's rely on the mega hits of my past. Mm. Yeah, well, I guess that's just uh, what felt right to her. I wonder how long she had planned it for. That's what I think. Maybe she was thinking about it for years before. She was. Her and Steve Anderson have had this idea for many years beforehand. Right. They, she often refers to it as their secret plot that ah, they were hatching for a long time to get cool. into Abbey Road. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And what I love about this project too is that they were making twists and turns even during the recording. So, you know, mm. they'd done a lot of prep and a lot of planning, but they were experimenting with the sound of a lot of these songs. And she talked about delivering the vocals. It was really hard. This is a lady who was programmed to sing her songs live and had sung them, God knows, countless numbers of time before she recorded them in this style. And she yeah. said it was actually a real challenge for her to to change the timing, as you've said a few times, yes, the yeah. timing and the ink. Um, some of the emphasis on some of the words and all of that sort of stuff were all mixed up. So she found mm. that a bit of a challenge too. Yes, but I think she did a really good job of, of yeah, basically. Because when you change the how the pace of a song, then you do have to adapt your emphasis on words and, and yeah, just the, your, your pacing. And I think she did a really, really good job of that. Not just um, making it sound okay, like making it fit, but actually uh, playfully experimenting with it. Um, which I think you'll hear in like pretty much all of those tracks where she's redone it. Um, yeah, she's really playing on that. Simon, could Madonna pull off a project like this? That's an interesting question. Um, I don't think Madonna has got the. You're going to be surprised I'm going to say this. I don't think Madonna has got the voice for it. Oh, oh. Um, oh, there's so many little, what do they call these in like little um, sound bites? I'm going to isolate all of Simon's sound bites from this podcast and make yeah. one podcast just of his sound bites. I, listen, <laughs> we, we all know that I'm a huge, 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 huge Madonna fan. I love her voice. I think she could do like a kind of stripped back, like acoustic ukulele Edith and she has. style album really, she really has. well. Um, what do you mean? Well, she has uh, Rebel Heart, for example. She yeah. did I mean, some she amazing whole, song, True Blue. But she could a do whole a whole album, album like that. Yeah. Um, and when I, when I saw her on the Madame X tour and she did The Sound of Silence, just sat on the front of the stage... And it was the best song of the night. It was great. Mm. She could do something like that really, really well. 
with with like her old stuff. But I, and the thing with Madonna is she changes all of her songs in every tour. She never really does the same version of a song twice. Um, so, I but I don't think she's got the the voice now for the orchestral stuff. Megs, I'm a mega Madonna fan too. And I know that she could do some sort of album where, you know, she changed up all her old hits. She could, but she couldn't mm. do it in the same style. And that's not a criticism. It's because they both got their own but, thing. Like yeah. Kylie's class and yeah. sophistication, Madonna, I believe she is both of those things, but not known for. She couldn't yeah. pull off a product in exactly the same style. No, I definitely agree with that. And I'm also not it's, – it's not something that particularly interests me um either which tells me that maybe it wouldn't be the best fit for her you don't uh, want to hear papa don't preach done with a guitar i think that if they really carefully selected what songs that they redid um then it could going be bananas <laughs> i don't even know that oh you must look it up i'm going bananas mm-hmm. and i feel like my poor little brain is being devoured by piranhas or that- i'm going bananas doesn't that sound attractive to you no, that's not madonna's voice <laughs> that's how she sings it why would she do that? I think she went bananas. Jeez. That's... <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I don't think that doing that sort of album really interests Madonna either. Look, yeah. at the end of the day, as long as Sonia doesn't go back and do this, then <laughs> the world is safe. <laughs> oh, God. Um, can we look briefly at the promotion for this? She, yeah. you know, she was doing the Tweet to Unlock. There was a monthly video. The first teaser that we got of this was, and the fans will have to help me out here again because I might have these two mixed up, but the very first glimpse of Abbey Rhodes was um, a K25 video on YouTube, which was Finer Feelings uh, with the dark hair, and I was just like, oh, I was so excited. I thought, this is beautiful. That Finer Feelings version was amazing. And then very quickly off the heels of that was On a Night Like This, that version. Again, if I've got those two mixed up, the order, I'm pretty sure I don't. But no, I think you're right. That I do. Because I think yeah. I remember being completely bowled over that the first thing that came out from it was Finer Feelings, and I was like, oh, my God. And then I'll need people to help me once again. She, there was also some sort of funny live performance she did in a very small theatre in the UK. Um, I was watching a grainy YouTube video of it at the time and wishing I was there. She had the dark hair still at that stage. So, um, yeah, she she did a lot of teasing for it. But then when we actually had the release, I mean, she, she did a lot of promo for this, more than she usually does, quite frankly. There was Proms in the Park, as Simon's talked about, which was uh, an honour to watch like her being taken so seriously that's what i'm talking about again with that full rounding of her career just an honor to see her in that forum and that audience and like i know this sounds really weird but not being heckled and i didn't read any media that said you know why on earth would you get kylie there although now that simon said all saints were ever there that makes me a bit worried (laughs) um she also did jonathan ross strictly come dancing the royal variety show the x factor in the uk and italy and i love this one she performed at the nobel peace prize awards oh Mm. wow what she performed she came out with this beautiful gold dress and it was just epic lighting behind her silhouetted and she comes out and does her biggest hit can't get you out of my head oh right which i really don't like that's the one one of the tracks that i would have left off a because any fan will tell you we've heard it too much because we all played it too much when it first came out (laughs) yeah and she never stops playing it because she can't really drop it in a way like if, if if you weren't a fan like if you were a slight fan of kylie and went to one of her concerts and she didn't do the biggest song in her career Believe me, you'd walk out there and Channel 7 would be there with the camera and interview. How was the concert? She didn't even perform. Can't get you out of my head. I want my money back. A bit like the Brisbane people who walked out of the Whitney Houston concert in Brisbane, you know. One of my best pieces of Anyone who wants to see angry sort of Howzo Australians, go and look up Whitney Houston reaction <laughs> on YouTube. What didn't she perform? Oh, she, no, well, she did perform everything, but that was the problem. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I... And then she paused. Honestly, this is epic. You should watch this. I know it's really sad considering we know what she was going through at the time, but in the middle of I Will Always Love You, she stops and they just tinker away on the piano while they don't know what she's doing. She's 
she's sweating like a hog. Is this? I didn't know this was the this yeah, is not the later ones. No, when yeah. you, in the later stages where it was quite. She's sad. got this like Gucci towel, and she's dabbing all the sweat off her brow. And she's got her back to the audience, and she's got a really ill-fitting white suit. And she looks shocking yeah, and terrible. I remember. It goes on and on and on. And it's painful to watch on YouTube. It's not edited. It's just raw what happened in the building that night. Drinking heaps of water. And then she comes back and she does a little look to her band. And then she does this with her two arms. She slams down and goes, for the big note, (laughs) you know, for the big note. (laughs) That should have made everyone happy. And the the band goes, boom. And then she goes, and, and (laughs) believe me, it's horrible. That's hilarious to think of people being mad about her. Because she was probably thinking they really, they want me to hear. And it was Brisbane. They want to hear me sing this note. And so I'm going to do it for them. It's going to be great. I'm going to bang my arms and do it for them. <laughs> and then I picture them getting angry about it in the crowd. Yeah. This is a lady whose voice could thread a needle. Mm. And all of a sudden she's up there. And yeah, but typical Brisbane people, they're like, I want my money back. It was disgusting. And I'll never go to a Whitney show again. It was an experience. They should be they're so silly. Such an silly experience? Thing. No, yeah. but truly, Megs, this is somebody who's always had his tickets bought for him, by the way, because if you'd paid $75 of now what you know is hard-earned money and you went in there and Whitney Houston dabs her brow for about 15 minutes in between, in the middle of one of her songs, you might actually be a bit ripped off too. It's still her. It's still a performance. It's still a moment in her career. I don't know. So that, you, that go you, for, you go to be in the presence of these people as much as the music. Yeah, definitely. And, mm. you know, it's it's just part of the the history of their career, like that's something that happened to her. I don't know where we've gone with it. this comment. How are we talking about Whitney Houston? I have no idea. I, I think it was Simon's really fault. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, for some bizarre reason with Abbey Road, Kylie's ships off to the United States, which I found so bizarre. She never goes over there and a lot of fans sort of are a little bit critical that she doesn't promo enough over there. Abbey Road's. She hikes up and she goes, she pops up on the Wendy Williams show. I can't stand that woman. She goes on the Dancing with the Stars. She goes on Jay Leno. Uh, You know, if the Americans weren't buying the original versions of these songs, why on earth would they buy the Abbey Road session? Because it had my head on it, which is her only hit in America. Yeah. But she didn't even perform that live. She did Locomotion over and over. It still was on the album. Yeah. Do you still play the Abbey Road session, Simon? Yeah, occasionally. I have to be oh, in a... So you enjoy it. Yeah, I have to be in a certain mood, but um, yeah, it, it's something I do listen to. Not depressed. <laughs> no, like, I have to, it has to be, like, you know, chilled, like, kind of candles and, you know, in that sort of mood. I'm not going to put it on at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, that- there's a few up songs on it. There's a few up songs on it. What about the cover? Dear William Baker. Now, he was still around at this time, annoying people. He shot the cover of this. Yeah. I can't stand it. I hate it. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Don't like. I just. I was shocked. I must admit, when I first saw it, we all Kylie fans are renowned for you know wanting to. I don't know. They've been accused of wanting to dress her up and make her look pretty and blah 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 like a doll, which is actually what she made fun of back in the Impossible Princess era on her first website. Um, she put out a little opportunity for fans to dress her. There was a picture of her oh. in her underwear, and you could drag across the. And this was big Megs back in the day because dragging things on the internet. Oh, wow, that was big time. Anyway, so with, when this came out, I was just shocked by. It. I felt like the hairstyle really aged her, and whatever makeup they'd done, I thought she looked mm-hmm. old. But isn't that the point that she's more mature? Like yes. twenty five years, and yes. now I'm, I'm going back over my work. Yes, and so this hairstyle signifies yes. that. That you're right. <laughs> I like it. Sometimes amateurs know best, and a lack of professionalism is all you'll hear on the Time to Talk show. Join Tim and his panel of guests as they wade their way through a range of news, music, and pop culture treats. Time to Talk, the show hosted by amateurs for unprofessional listeners. Amateurs, is this the best that they could do? We talked about reviews at the beginning, yeah. and let's not forget that people are still, hopefully, as they listen to this, tweeting. What was he? What was the meager man's first name? Uh, John. Yes. So remember, you can uh, still. There's still time to harass John Meager Muso yes. about his brutal review of the Abbey Road session. But they weren't all brutal, Megs. So you'll be happy about this. There was the Guardian, a lovely lady by the name of Caroline Sullivan. Remember how he's Robert Meager. Oh, no, John Meager. <laughs> this lady's Caroline Sullivan. Oh, yes. And she's from The Guardian. And she wrote, 
some of um, the more older songs on the album. The album sculpts them into grown-up love songs sung by a Kylie who sounds like a 40-something woman who has encountered more than a few slings and arrows along the way. Yes, that's and that's uh, that's how I interpret it too. Yeah, I love her. Caroline Sullivan, you're gorgeous. Mm, yes. She's not ugly, ugly man, is she? No, she's not meager. <laughs> no. Now, strangely, Simon, they keep comparing this album in many reviews around the time to Tori Amos. What's really? that about? I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I just don't get it. It pops up in, if you go and read the reviews of Abbey Rhodes, Tori Amos pops up in quite a few of them, and I'm like, I don't get the comparison. No, I don't either. And I'm quite a big Tori Amos fan as well, and I don't get the comparison. Well, good. Well, then we'll stop talking about that. We do need to talk about the commercial success. It, it did very well in, in Britain. It was gold certified. Ooh. It sold many thousand, many hundreds of thousands of copies. Many. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can you stop trying to fool the listeners that you've done some research for this? Well, I that, that's actually a fact. So, like, and it's the only fact you've added into this discussion. I isn't said, it? I said that Flower had been originally recorded for the X album. Um, I've said that. Let's not catalog all the ways that I'm wrong. Okay, <laughs> Simon, do you know anything about the commercial, the commercial performance of this album? No, I didn't look. I thought you'd have done that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, people are really switching off in droves. <laughs> it, it, no, it did well in they Australia. Came here to learn something. It did well in Australia and New Zealand. Now listen, it peaked at number expected. one somewhere. I thought it was the UK. No, it peaked at number two in the UK. I <laughs> <laughs> really. We've lost the plot. <laughs> Simon's fallen asleep over there. No, you I'm, and I don't know what we're doing. I'm <laughs> having a look. Um, am, I, am I right? Uh, the UK number two? You are. Yeah, peaked at number two in the UK. 120 in the US. Um, <laughs> Why do you uh, say it like that? Are you surprised at the success or the disappointment? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. One or the other. <laughs> Just surprising. Seven. 120. <laughs> Seven in Australia. Yeah. Top but two was its highest chart position anywhere, and it was us and... Oh, Scotland, which is essentially surely the same thing. Um, in the country where John Meager published his Meager review, it got to number 10 in Ireland. It did? Despite what he had to say, or maybe because of what he had to say. People wanted to hear and see if he was right. Okay, before we move on, let's just make sure we haven't not talked to... Can you please not pull that face? <laughs> <laughs> God, um, let's make sure we haven't overlooked any of the tracks. I mean, we've talked about all the lovers on light like this. A particular one for me was because it was released around the anti-tour, um, Come Into My World. I absolutely love this version on this album. It wasn't released, sorry, I shouldn't say that. There were only two singles released off this album, and it was Flower and On A Night Like This. It yeah. was more of an album album, not a singles album, wasn't it? But Come yeah, Into yeah. My World was great, and there's a great performance, which I believe was filmed backstage at Luna Park in Australia, hmm. in Sydney, either that or Melbourne. So someone, again, will correct us on that. Um, but yes, there's a really good um, K25 of that. The locomotion was the closest she ever got to the original Little Eva hit um, or Little Eva version of locomotion. Uh, and she loves the key change in locomotion, I have to say. And I should be so lucky. Um, mega fans will know that this is just uh, a rehash, is a negative word, but it is. It's a rehash of the intimate and live which was a seminal moment in Kylie's career when she came out at Intimate and Live where she was still fighting for credibility and stood beside that pink K and sang a torch version of I Should Be So Lucky. It was a phenomenal moment for fans. And so this is a um, revisiting that version as well. What a beautiful way to end the album with uh, Never Too Late. I'm not mentioning Love at First Sight, by the way, because if I ever hear that song again, I'll vomit. She never stops. I swear she must get more royalties for that song or something. I know she loves it because she wrote it, blah, 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 blah. But I swear there's a financial motivation there too. She never stops. It doesn't matter when, where or how, she will sing that song. And then she'll go, that's different because I've mashed it up. No, you haven't. It's the same song. Stop it. I never want to hear it again. makes me want to throw up. Except for the cool jazz version. It was probably the second biggest song off um, Fever though, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a huge mega hit for her all over the world. And there's a couple of different versions. There's a US version, um, which is ugh, so much more awful than the Fever album version. Anyway, why are we talking about the song that I said I wouldn't mention? It's not actually and, my favourite song either. 
what a great uh, way to end the album too with Never Too Late. It's just beautiful. It's haunting and lovely. And as we've mentioned, wow and in my arms, depending on the version of the album that you get. So any, all right, I'm going around. I'm going to check out with you both. Megs, how are you feeling at this moment? And any final thoughts on Abbey Road? Um, I think it (laughs) is very good work. Um, Very impressive. Um, I've always liked it. And Are you reading from the assignment you just got back at uni? <laughs> Can you please stop? If you're not going to be invested in the conversation, don't participate I'm at all. I'm very invested. No, I, I really think it was very a very clever thing to do to mark the, the 25 years. And, uh, and I think she does pull it off with her vocals, contrary to John Ma's views. Don't call him that. John Meager. And Simon, how are you feeling? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I I love this period of, of her, and you know, I, I as as I've said many times, I have a tempestuous relationship um, with Kylie, and I loved everything she did for the twenty fifth. I loved the anti tour, I loved Time Bomb, I loved this, I loved all of it. It's like for me, it's like the peak of um, of everything that I wanted her to do. And I thought all the decisions she was making were really classy and interesting and cool and fearless and all of the things that I want her to be all the time that she never is. Yeah, she, it was a confident year. It was a wonderful year. Mm. Simon and Megs, one more time, should I make sure that the listeners have got the details for John <laughs> Mega? No, I think they've got it. We need to do the hashtag. Yeah, okay. So what's the hashtag, next? It's uh, Abbey Road's Retribution. Good. And do you remember the guy's Twitter handle? John Meager. Uh, oh, Muso. Yes. John Meager Muso. You know, I'm cool. I'm so chill. Kylie Minogue, who'd listen to that? It's garbage. You know what? He's probably in his pink underpants, dancing around to wow every night before he goes to bed, worried that his mum's going to walk in and catch him. That's probably exactly his style. And then he goes Nasty, and that. spiteful little man. Mm. Wherever you are, John Meager, we will find you. The fans will find you. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Megs. <laughs> Thank you. 